This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 113, Emotional Intelligence and Shadow Work. Have you been hearing a lot about emotional intelligence recently? Or maybe you've heard of shadow work, but you've been slightly afraid to really dive in? Or maybe you're just looking to live, generally speaking, a more happy, aligned, and connected life? Well, if any of this resonates with you, today's episode is for you. For this episode, I sat down with Sienna Sherman. Sienna is an internationally renowned yoga teacher. She's trained tens of thousands of students and yoga teachers around the globe. As the founder of Raza Yoga, Mystic Yoga Flow, and Ritual, Sienna regularly shares her expertise at conferences and festivals throughout the world, where she touches the human heart through story and the empowerment of yoga in daily life. On top of her decades of yogic training, she has been focusing some of her work and studies on emotional intelligence and shadow work, which is why we sat down and that's what we're talking about today. As you listen, take a screenshot of this episode and share one of your takeaways on Instagram. Let's tag at on and off your mat podcast. Today's a really good one. I can't wait to see your takeaways. I will, of course, reshare you. The idea is that we are able to read each other takeaways and we can go deeper into the content of each episode. We can learn and grow as a community here. All right, let's get to today's episode with Sienna. Hi, Sienna. Hello, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a real honor to be here with you. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for people that don't know you very much that are listening to this podcast, yourself and your good journey so we get started? Okay. Well, thank you. Hi, everyone. Blessings to you. I'm Sienna Sherman, and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm also very wide open to they, and I currently live in Los Angeles, in the lands of the Chumash and the Tongva and the Kich peoples and the San Fernandinho Tatatvian. And I am a lover of life and of nature and of the practices of yoga and also of the alchemical arts and of the ways of deep magic with the earth. And I really um, love community and collective activations and being in communities where we all really grow together and lean in together and lift each other up and create true positive impact here on the earth. And I am dedicated to cultivating myself as a living flame of love and action to serve. I have been practicing yoga for about 35 years and a lot I could say about that. I also have been initiated into the ways of priestess also for about 30 years. And I am a practitioner of the philosophy of yoga called Tantra. And then for the purposes of this particular uh, journey together, I was introduced to shadow work in 1993. And shadow work for me has been a guiding kind of practice and lens and orientation uh, since then. And I'm also a storyteller and awakening 
the the mythic the mythic meaning of life and the power of imagination and I'm deeply committed to social justice advocacy and I really um, also like to say in the way of social location I am white and cisgender and English speaking and a heterosexual and in a and in a committed partnership with my beloved and I have a lot of just phenomenal social justice teachers of which I just want to give the hugest shout out to and the deepest bow and really one of my um, just key teachers that I want to say her name is Michelle Cassandra Johnson and thank you Michelle for all the mentorship and I also want to really honor my key um, heart guru teacher of the yoga tradition and especially in the way of Shakta Pantra and my teacher is Sri Devi Ringi. And then I have many other teachers that, that I always like to honor, but I honor the root teacher of the ways of the priestess, which my teacher was Gina McGarry. And then one of my great Celtic teachers, I have a lot of Irish in my roots. And I want to really honor my teacher, John O'Donohue. And so, Many, so many other teachers. And just to say that it's a real honor to uh, be here with you with this particular uh, collective of voices and very activated um, beings that I really respect and admire. And so thank you. And thank you to the earth and to great spirit, mm. and to the magic that flows through all of us. It is such a pleasure to have you on and I've been following you for a long time in the shadows and quietly. So I'm, I'm excited for us to dig into this today. And how you were saying a little earlier, you talked about how you started shadow work in the 90s. I didn't know it was for so long. I think it probably took you a little bit before you were ready to share or teach on that, uh, which of course, like you have to get your own embodied experience before you can share that with the world. But I love that you've been teaching on that a little bit more, including emotional intelligence. And I think before we get into shadow work itself, I'd like for us to talk about emotional intelligence a little bit because I feel it's kind of a, a precursor to the work that we do in shadow work. And so let's start with that. Like, how do you define emotional intelligence or what does that mean for you? It doesn't have to be like a scientific definition, but you know. Okay, great. So we'll leave out the, all the founding um, terminology, like when the, the, the terms are coined and such. And I'll just start with that. Well, one of the things is I'm also a visionary of the Rasa Yoga Collective, and this relates to emotional intelligence because uh, Rasa is a Sanskrit word that means like the essence of something, the essence, and it comes to mean like the feeling of an experience. So it's the essence, it's the juice, it's also the nectar, and it is the flow of an experience and it's the feeling of something. So all these are meanings of the Sanskrit word rasa. Now emotional intelligence, another way that I really refer to this is emotional intimacy. And you could say emotional literacy. So emotional intelligence, emotional intimacy, emotional literacy. And the invitation is this. It is to relate with our emotions 
energy in motion mm-hmm. and to not label the emotions in a binary way of like, this is a good one. And this is a bad one. This is right. Uh, the right emotion to have. And this is the wrong emotion to have to kind of dissolve that binary way and to be in relationship with the energy that is in motion and emotion. And then as we come into relationship with our emotions, then we, instead of reacting from our emotions, we're going to be relating with. As we relate with and turn towards and embrace whatever that energy and motion is at the moment, what begins to happen is a certain awakening of our own intelligence in this relationship. And then we learn how to channel that energy. Uh, One of the teachings I give in Rasa Yoga is we learn how to wield the energy so we can weave the tapestry. Hmm. The way of intimacy and why I'm going to come to this word as an aspect of emotional intelligence is because intimacy means to be in relationship with, to come to know something uh, in a deeper way. If we want to be, let's say, intimate with another person, so let's say the person's here and I'm here, if we are fused together, we cannot be in relationship with because the boundaries collapse and mm-hmm. we we can't see. So true intimacy requires a certain kind of distance and yet a proximity. We have to be near, but we can't be fused with, if this makes sense. I love that and nuance. We yes. need to have the uh, the distance to be able to see so that we can see, awaken the sight and It's like this, if I'm fused with the energy and motion, if I'm fused with it, then the chances are is I'm likely going to react from it. So I have to be able to create this kind of intimacy with that emotion that's happening and with the feelings and to be able to name them. And as, as I do that, the relationship begins to grow and deepen. And the intelligence of the emotions begins to speak to us, to reveal to us, oh, what is the intelligence inside this anger right now? Mm -hmm. What's the intelligence, the message, the meaning inside this deep fear, this sadness, this grief, this enraptured joy, this passion, whatever it is, but we're in relationship with. And through that relationship, we can relate with, we can channel, we can wield the energy, and we can weave the tapestry. Now, weave the tapestry is a deep tantric kind of metaphor. So you'll kind of see how rasa and tantra and emotional intelligence all, and I am a storyteller, so just be ready to take a little ride. So the, um, the tapestry then in tantra, the main metaphor is a loom. And it's that we are weaving that which seems like the paradoxical opposites. In fact, we often say like embrace the paradox and uh, radical affirmation for whatever is present in the moment. Embrace that paradox and start to uh, weave the tapestry to create the tapestry of life, of the imagination, of the impact, of the beauty, of the gift of the being. Like we got to weave the tapestry through the warp and the weft 
through the device, the instrument of the loom, which is really our own capacity. So then rasa in the tantric tradition goes on to say there are nine main rasas, and I'll finish here. And these nine uh, rasas are shringara, which is like the passion, the love, the beauty, hasya rasa, which is the the laughter filled, the like comedic as well, and just you know that lightness, buoyancy of being the raudra rasa, which is like the ferocious and the angry, the karuna rasa, which is um, really starts like as a, a sadness and a, and a grief and opens up through empathy and to compassion. There's Vera Rasa, which is that which is the heroic and the brave, and it stems from the inner strength of the self. There's Pionica um, Rasa, which is the fear that that rises in all of us in all different kinds of ways, and we face that and embrace that. There's Bibatsa Rasa, which is the disgust, which we're utterly disgusted by and like, you know, <laughs> repulsed by. And they all have facial expressions and mudras and dances. And there's Abhuta Rasa, which is the wonder, you know, like just utterly being curious mm. and amazed. And like, I have no understanding of what is happening right now, but I'm just going to be in wonder and awe by the miracle of life. And then the ninth of the Rasas is Shanta Rasa, which most uh, yoga practitioners are familiar with, the Shanti. So the Shanta is the, is the peace-filled Rasa. But what it really is, it's like, the inner anchor at the root of the heart that can stay totally present in the midst of anything, like the ability to keep our heart um, open and the ground of our being anchored in the midst of whatever's arising. And so these then are the nine rasas and then emotional intelligence then and emotional intimacy is, wow, whatever is spinning in that, that wheel of experience, instead of being unplugged and reactionary and triggered or just to go unconscious, can I actually be present with, turn towards, embrace it and begin to relate with, and then the messages and the gifts and the empowerment and the clear, uh, skillful action, yoga is skill in action, can then become more clear for us on the path in that moment. Absolutely. And that was really well brought back together from that relationship to the embracing to that new connection and then moving from intelligence skillfully into life. And I love that you made a nuance between intimacy and intelligence, because I feel when we talk about emotional intelligence, for a lot of people, it's very heady. Right, like intel, exactly. it's like an, an intellectual understanding of what's going on. But when we start with intimacy, it's in our bodies, it's in our physical sensation, it's really in that presence, like you were talking about. And from there, I feel like now we're like bringing that into yoga, like instead of just being in the understanding mentally of how we're, you know, self awareness with our emotion it's really like a self-awareness that comes now and opens self-regulation and opens like also that le that level of with the embrace like acceptance right and I feel like it just brings in the yoga in a different way which maybe emotional intelligence normally you wouldn't necessarily link it you know to 
like a yoga practice, but I think it's pretty clear that one can help you in the other and vice versa. Like they can weave into each other. Yeah. I love it. And I'm just smiling because yes, and that's the, that is exactly why I started there so that we are in relationship with, and it's just not a cognitive kind of uh, lofty ideal, but this is like in our being, in our embodiment, in our, we are in relationship with, and then it's the deepening in our shared humanity. Yeah. So what are some of the tools that you use to be in relationship with emotions that might still be difficult for you to deal with or to embrace those emotions or to connect? Is there like one tool that you use regularly that really serves you where you are now or that you've used in the past and have served you or, you know, that you teach like as a go-to? Yes. Let's see. Feeling into that in this moment. I mean, I think that the, the opening gateway uh, tool is awareness and is the expansion of awareness into the moment. And so let's say that anger is here and to expand my awareness, what, what are my patterns? Am I going to like, just blaze it with my anger, you know, like right in that moment. And am I going to run from it and hide from it? or shut down to it. Mm -hmm. So first just to, to really bear witness in a way through the expansion of awareness and to stay present with. So mindfulness. So because it's a big energy, this one, you know, and to, to witness like what's happening, what's happening, you know, in the temperature of my body, what's happening in my heart, what's happening with my breath to actually bear witness and to be with it and to name it. And through the naming of it, it creates an anchor to begin to relate with. So if I say, I am, I'm really feeling angry right now, then that opens up a gateway for me to be with it. I think that one of the places that, uh, that things can really like combust is in relation with the people that are most near us and the ones that were, were around the most, you mm -hmm. know, and in all those different relationships with. And so like with my partner, we practice shadow work together and we study and train together as well. And so when we really get into a conflict or where we're just like radically in different places, we really practice naming it. So I might even say to my partner, um, I'm feeling like, you know, just that, well, I'll go to another one. I'm feeling really afraid right now. And what, uh, what I want to do is to, to go into my room, shut the door and just not see you. And I'm naming that. And I'm saying, I feel really afraid right now. And what I would like to do is to, to stay here and be here with you as I feel this. So I make, I make a, a conscious statement and I name the feelings and I also am tracking what would I in a reactionary way do and what might I like to embody that actually grows the, the depth of my um, experience in that moment. 
So name, you know, embracing, naming, and being with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're slowing down. We're practicing mindfulness, presence, like all those tools that we have in our practice. We're naming to become even more aware of what's happening and we're sharing with that other person so it's clear to them also what's our experience because obviously they they don't know they're having their own experience at that moment so we're tracking physically we're our physical sensation you talked about very clearly the nervous system right whether we want to fight we want to flight we want to (laughs) hide and pretend that we're dead and just wait for the storm to pass and then Again, it brings us back to skillful action. Then we can be intentional. We can say, like, normally I would want to do this, but because I have slowed down and because I know this is happening, I can make a different choice. I can make the next right choice for mm-hmm. us in this situation. And that's yeah, beautiful uh, skills something to I wanna, Something I want to pause with, because your language is very um, beautiful and in, in helping me to remember more connection points, is that... Well, first, I want to say, like, in that, if it, if I'm working with someone, like in the moment, I have to be in ownership of my own feelings. So, not put this like when you did this, I feel this, you know, because right away, then it it pulls us um, out of that capacity to like work with it. So, I have to be really clear, like, to just be with what I'm feeling and to state it that way, so that a connection can be made. And the word that you use, and it's one of my favorite words, is tracking. And I love that you use this because um, when I'm teaching shadow work, I actually explain it as shadow tracking. Are you willing to track your own shadow? Mm. And a long time ago, I studied with a teacher, Tom Brown, of a tracking wilderness kind of school in New Jersey. And we would be applying like all of our awareness and all of our senses and down close to the earth and looking at the tracks, you know, of the animals in sand and snow and leaves and, you know, all the things. And it required such a, a, a truly like present intimate experience close with, and we would be tracking mm-hmm. uh, through, through these little paw prints and things. And so for me inwardly, as I, had already been introduced to shadow work when I went to the tracking school is I was like, Oh, it's like tracking your own shadow. And you use this phrase. And so I love it. And I just wanted to say thanks. (laughs) Amazing. So let's dive into shadow work for some people. It's a little bit more scary just because of the word shadow. And like, we're unclear on like, what's that darkness, if it's even a darkness, you know, and we kind of let ourselves be like, "Eh, thanks, but no, thanks. Let me stay away from this. So, what is it and why it's important for us to go down this path to have the courage to track our shadow and to look into what it creates in our lives? Well, awesome. I love this territory. (laughs) So shadow, there's lots of ways we can uh, speak of it, but shadow is like the, the parts of ourselves that are left unexamined, unattended to. It's parts of ourselves that we just don't see, that are unilluminated. We've never brought our awareness to them that remain unconscious. They can be um, our deep conditioning, our biases, uh, different uh, emotional states. All sorts of things can be in our shadow. It's just whatever we haven't seen yet and uh, haven't brought into the light of awareness, so to speak. And... This, um, what's in the shadow 
I'm going to speak of just regular shadow because there's also golden shadow. So a lot of times we're afraid of shadow work because we think, oh gosh, you know, it's so scary. It's where all my fears are. And yes, that's true. It's where maybe my anger is. Yes, that's true. It's where um, perhaps it's where my vulnerability and compassion are. That could be true. It can also be our deep magic and gifts that we're here to share can also be in our shadow. So shadow then is whatever is left out, rejected, cast out, marginalized within our own self, and literally just left unattended to and unseen. And what happens is when, if, if we don't turn towards and begin to work with this uh, shadow content, so to speak, it essentially takes up a lot of energy in us. And the way that I explain it and kind of feel it is that it, it gets us tied up in a bunch of little knots. And these knots within us are holding a lot of stuck energy. When, so think of, I often use a, a like a jewelry chain as a, as an image because I used to travel a lot. And it, sometimes when I unpack, some of the jewelry would all be tied up in tiny, all sorts of little knots. And what do you have to do with something that's tied up in little knots? You can't yank the chain and hope that it's going to untie itself. It'll actually make it a tighter knot. If you just don't do anything at all, those knots can even become more. That's kind of like this internal world of shadow. So what we do is you start to fine tune and gently lift this part of the tangle and this part of the tangle and this part, and then you loosen it up and you free the energy. Working with shadow is really uh, one of the most liberatory experiences from inside our own being and our own psyche. That which is tied up in knots and tied up in knots and pushing on us to react out of our triggers to life events and circumstances that keeps making a deeper groove, a deeper imprint, a, a moving us in a direction that we probably most likely don't really want to be in. Then if we attend to it, we gently untangle. We work at a process that we can digest. We might work with a therapist and, you know, with really skilled people and we start to liberate the energy and that liberation of energy is creative energy. It's feeling energy. It's, it's opens us up into our relationships with life and our gifts begin to come through. It's like if we're working with an aspect of ourself that is like the wounded healer and then we start moving and gently working with that when we might find that a very place that we've been the most terrified is actually a liberatory place that is holding one of our greatest gifts. Mm -hmm. And so I'll finish with this, that of course, being a storyteller, one of um, a, an influence is Joseph Campbell and an ascribed teaching is, or a phrase from him is the cave that we fear to enter holds the very treasure that we seek. So unless we're willing to enter that cave that we fear to enter, we will never discover the treasure that is there. And then lastly, as a personal example, for my life, I was terrified beyond 
any measure of comprehension or understanding of speaking in front of the public Mm -hmm. since I was very young. Now, as I turned towards it and over various um, occasions, it actually became one of my greatest gifts. Yeah, especially with storytelling. Like it's a, it's speaking in front of people, but there's also like this different, like embodied, like it's part of you when you tell a story in a way, I feel. I, I love that you brought gentleness into it. And the idea that we are working gently to undo that chain towards liberation and towards our biggest gifts it doesn't make it sound scary anymore. For me anyway, it makes it sound exciting. And it makes it sound like something you want to go towards and to dive in. So I hope that people are feeling a little bit more encouraged. On, and Erica, on then I'll just like bring up one more thing. So then my next, um, my next like invitation is from shadow tracking that we open up into being shadow dancers. So now we can be, and this is where the joy of it comes, even though it is, I mean, like when I see really big stuff come up in me, like the the big reactionary things, there's part of me that's like, damn it, you know, I can't believe this is here again. But another part of me really honestly is like, yes, okay, now I can come to this even more. And it's it's a dancing with. And so, you know, this image right here is the Nataraja, which is a key um, teacher for me of the dance of bliss. But how is that dance of bliss even possible? Because all five acts are present. Creation, sustaining, destruction, concealment, and grace. And it's through the concealment like this, the arm, the Gajahasta mudra, the elephant arm mudra, that points down and says, you have to go in, go in to the cave you fear to enter. Embrace that conflict, embrace that pain, embrace that reaction and be with it and follow through it. And what happens? Boom. It's pointing to the kunchita pada, the upward turning foot of grace itself, the power of the dance. And so it's all encoded in our psyche, in our lives in our experiences and the transformation is real and it's palpable. And that is then where the excitement that you're naming it is because it is liberation. It becomes a dance and it becomes a celebration of the power and the magic that we are and the deepening empowerment in the connection that we can have with each other. And then you start to free it up. And then we bring our imaginations together. We can be more resourceful together. We can make greater change and impact together because we're operating in an expansion of our consciousness and of our being. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you relate all this to your yoga practice or how does one, how do they weave into each other for you? Does one lead you to the other in the like progression or do they support each other? How does that look for you? I mean, for me, it is, it's a, it's a woven, it's a woven experience. So if you want to speak about the practices of yoga and my practices of yoga, I will just name some of the key ones are asana and pranayama, which the West is uh, very familiar with. And then I have practices of mantra 
and mudra and meditation and also of puja and of ritual and then of what the tantrikas um, speak of as vichara which means very deep self-inquiry and so if we just um paused for a moment with vichara with deep self-inquiry this in a, in a way is a keeper a guardian of shadow work shadow tracking shadow dancing because then whatever arises we are then in a process of deepening inner inquiry as a way of freeing up the energy of what is really happening so that it can be used through the three gateways of what is called divine will divine knowledge divine action these are the three pillar shaktis icha jnana kriya divine will divine innermost like rooted heart fire desire divine knowledge like bring it into skillful understanding divine action skill in action that's really what the the practices hold and then you know i could go into each of the practices but mantra in and of itself is a tool to protect and free the mind and so the really deep inner practices of mantra are working with our own mind so that we can face uh, each each aspect of ourself in a way of total embrace and in a way that's life affirming so if there's something intense happening in the psyche in our life in our practice that is part of our practice we don't come to the mat to um reject mm-hmm. the pain or reject the work because then that leads us into spiritual bypassing but rather to be with to work with and to transform even within the practice and especially in the practice so we can bring it back out into life i love that you went there because my mind was just going like <laughs> it's like you read my mind it's perfectly into what i wanted to ask you next and is taking our practice you know our yoga that state that practice off the mat and i know you mentioned earlier um when you introduced yourself about community collective activation and social justice so i would like us to take a moment to just reflect on how this work can then lead you off the mat into creating a collective that is more based on social justice and i know that's important for you so i thought it'd be interesting to have your your thoughts on that yeah beautiful thank you and i mean the for me what you know what the uh, pandemic one of the the deep intense lessons of these last few years is also cracking open the mind and the heart and the being of so many of us of that we need to turn our focus to collective care we need to center collective care and i think that this is uh, just so incredibly relevant in every way collective care for each other collective care with the earth with all beings and if what i find is okay so i'll just speak for myself so i'm white privilege i have a lot of proximity to power and privilege um through my particular social location identities now if i 
am not willing to, to be uncomfortable and to lean into the tough stuff, then I am most likely not going to lean into the really uh, tough stuff in the way of social justice and social justice advocacy. So by the very nature of turning towards the tough stuff inside myself and coming into relationship with and transforming, I am also opening my awareness and leaning into the tough stuff that is happening in the world and to not reject it, to not turn away from it, to not go numb to it, which if I have a a privileged social location identity, I could walk away from it perhaps, but I'm saying I'm not going to because I'm teaching myself how to lean into this tough stuff and to liberate these energies in me and then collectively to lean into the tough stuff and to be part of yoga as liberation for all beings, which then is going to center collective care, justice, equity, and all the ways that we know that we are here on the planet to wake up to and to bring change to. And so for me, they are the um, in a sacred partnership, but the personal transformation cannot just stay stuck in the personal individual. The personal transformation is in service to the collective transformation, the collective liberation, and that um, that we are really waking up to us. A, a lot of us on the planet are waking up to exactly this. And then for me, like collective empowerment is I love magic. I just, it's one of my key words. I love it. And I I really feel and experience that there is just so much outrageous magic in each and every person. And when we come into collective spaces where there's no, it's not about a hierarchy, but it's like a real like embrace of the collective power and of the gifts that are coming through each person. Then we create a nourishing environment where we can feel seen and heard and we can see each other and hear each other and support each other so that the gifts come through. And then all of the ways that that I might never have a gift, it comes through someone else and then someone else. And now we pour our collective gifts. It's kind of like the 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 one of the birth origin stories of the goddess Durga, who is a key empowerment of social justice, that in that moment where the world is utterly devastated and not even the great Trimurti of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva can save the worlds anymore, what do they do? Well, in one of the stories, they gather and they give the best parts of themselves. Every god and goddess gives the best part of themselves to the center. And then out of that great center, this awakened, radiant, powerful form of the goddess Durga arises and reveals herself and then becomes the great advocate and the champion and the, the eye in the middle of the storm and then goes into the world and creates real powerful justice and protection and brings and installs enormous courage into the hearts of all. I love that. I love, I love that image. It's so clear. And so like, it's such a beautiful story. And 
to remember that you lead in the discomfort for yourself, but for all humanity and that you are now taking an extra responsibility, right? Like that your shadow work, that your emotional intelligence work or intimacy work is a way to take responsibility to help not only yourself act more skillfully, but to create a container where you can support other people that are in the same, you know, on the same path for that general or um, universal liberation. And then the idea of bringing the gifts all together is really, you have to do the first step to be able to bring the gifts together. Otherwise you're closed to the gifts of certain groups, right? So <laughs> it's like, it's just like the... Um, the same I just find it's exactly the same like the gift that you get in the shadow work for yourself is also the gift that you'll get collectively as you do this as a collective and I just I hadn't really thought about it before it's kind of hitting me into like it's exactly the same thing just on a different scale which I love yes and for all of you you know the, this beautiful phrase on the mat Uh, off the mat, you know, off the mat and into the world. I mean, that's the, that's the whole point of it. Why do we practice? You know, it's not just to, for the personal uh, transformation, we're practicing with collective activation and for collective justice, equity, liberation for all of us, for all beings. And that the interwoven, interdependent interconnectivity is the real deal. And that, Yeah, we're we're here and to to go together and with each other. Yes. Exactly. That's why it's, that's the name of the podcast, right? On and off your mat, yes. like not just the practice, <laughs> but like the everything that comes from there as well. Beautiful. Anything you want to add before we wrap this up is there like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with or something I haven't mentioned that we should talk about quickly? I um the thing that's arising is to cultivate to cultivate um true loving communities not like in a sappy way but to really reach an extent to to center ourselves yoga spa to like really center ourselves and then to reach out with each other and that i know in my journey that some of the times that i have felt the lowest and the most bottomed out, so to speak, um, have been some of the times where an extraordinary being comes along, like Krishna to Arjuna, in the moment of the battlefield when he's shaken and dissolved and I can't do it. And that friend comes along and says, I've got you. Let me hold you. Let me be with you. And Let me help to remind you who you truly are. That's, that's what I, I want to offer, that we can be that friend. And we also may be the one to open ourselves to receive that kind of friend mm -hmm. and to stay open to the magic and the mystery of the universe. And that we are this friend and we receive this friendship and a very... Um, true devotion and commitment to co-creating in the power of community. I feel that the earth and the world is longing for true community that sincerely cares. I agree. I agree. 
Well, thank you for these wise words and your time today. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, uh, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to say hello, they want to connect, or they want to look into what you offer and what's coming up in your world? Thanks, Erica. You can go to sianasherman.com. That's nice and easy. And you, if you want to have like a direct kind of interaction with me, find me on Instagram at Sianna Sherman and you can DM me or make a comment. I'm the one who is there and I would love to meet you and to say hello and thank you. Beautiful. And then I lead Rasa yoga teacher trainings and, and a ritual uh, 13 moon mystery school and lots of other things along the way. We're also opening up a membership uh, site very soon with them in this year of 2022, where I'm going to offer shadow work sessions as part of the membership as well. Amazing. Amazing. Well, happy new year and everything that will unfold from here. It sounds like exciting stuff coming along. Thank you. And it's a, it's a, it's a one, three, 13 new moons, 13 full moons. I'm a lover of the moon and of all the phases of the moon, which is, you know, an amazing uh, symbol and metaphor of everything that we've just been talking about as well is that radical affirmation and the embrace of all the cycles and seasons and the phases of our being. So Mm -hmm. big embrace and big love. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. Come and connect with us on Instagram at On and Off Your Mat Podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode, tag us, and include your takeaways so we can learn together. Visit withribbon.com slash you slash Erica Belanger if you'd like to become a premium member of the podcast. Get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. And don't forget to use your promo code NEWYEAR2022 to get 30 days for free. Check out the show notes to find more info about our guest of today, Sienna Sherman or my top five biggest takeaways from this episode. Now, before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all of you, premium members. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.